continue with the message uh, I started, uh, I think, about two, two weeks ago. Father God, I just want to ask you, Spirit of the living God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us this morning according to your promise. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And I know, Lord God, that you're here. Spirit of the living God, please speak to our hearts today. Lord, we pray that you will soften our hearts and help us to receive your word so that we, that our eyes may be open to see that you are God and that you are alive forevermore and that we can be your servants through children of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're speaking on making room for increase because I believe this year is going to be a year of increase for our church, and God is already demonstrating that. I've already seen good signs of it happening in my family and what's happening to the church. I know that this is going to be a good year. So I want to tell us how we need to align ourselves as members of the Ark Fellowship so that God will bless us tremendously this year. My prayer is that no family is going to be left behind. No individual is going to be left out of God's blessing that he will be showering on the Ark Fellowship this very year. It's going to be an unusual year for the Ark Fellowship. I'm telling you, believe me, a year came, there was somebody, Michael was reminding me, there was a year where I told the church, because two years in a row we had somebody die. Uh, and I told the church, nobody's permitted to die. Not this year. You won't die. We had a lot of challenges that year. A lot of challenges, people, but God, God maintained his word. And no one died. I think Papa Smith wanted to go home. We begged him, please, it's not yet, Papa, please. Wait, not this, not this year, <laughs> some other year. And uh, we tricked him to be walking with people. And Papa Smith started walking and praying for people at the altar. And one of the individuals he ministered to in that same year is now a minister of the gospel today. That's what God does. God is such a great God. Amen. So make room for increasing your life. The Bible tells us very clearly in Isaiah chapter 54, increase the place or expand the place of your tent. God's not going to do that for you. Make room inside your mind. God's going to bless me this year. And begin to prepare yourself for the blessing. If you need a child, go out and start looking for cribs and everything for children. Because God's going to give you one. If you need a husband, prepare yourself. Whatever you need from God, make room for expansion. Let God know you are ready to receive. Amen? You are ready to receive. So God wants to bless us. Now let me tell you this. A day of favor from the Lord is better than a thousand days of labor. A day of favor from God is better than a thousand days of labor. I can even say a thousand years of labor. Because God can do in your life what you've been struggling to do all your life. In one day, he can change everything for you. So get yourself ready. And everything is by faith, believing in God, that God is. 
And the Bible says he wants you to know that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To make room for increase in your life. And I'm going to be sharing with you seven things that will help you make room for increase in your life. The Bible tells us that Jesus increased in stature and in favor with God and with man. Favor is just grace from God. And one day of favor, like I said, is better, one day of favor from the Lord is better than a thousand years of labor. So we need favor from God, and that's grace. Jesus increased both in stature and in favor with God. That says you can increase the amount of favor upon your life from God, depending on how you are aligning yourself towards God. And when you find favor with God, there's always a day of manifestation for your, of your favor. When Daniel, Daniel had favor with God, Joseph had favor with God, you wouldn't know it by examining what was happening in his life. But the day of his manifestation came, and he left from prison all the way to the place of the prime minister. From prison all the way. And that's what favor will do for you. So get ready for favor. Believe in God's favor in your life and begin to look. And I'm believing that this year is the year of your manifestation. God's going to bring that circumstance into your life and you will feel it and know this is my time. And God will fulfill. There's always a time. And I believe for the Ark Fellowship, the time has come. The day is fulfilled. This is the time that God's going to do it. So you can increase that. Number one, the first thing is obedience. And we're not talking about just obedience to the Ten Commandments. No one can keep the Ten Commandments. But Jesus, thank God, through Jesus Christ, we have now been made sons and daughters of God, and we have been made righteous before God. God gives you his righteousness. And if God's righteousness enters your life, your life will be transformed from glory to glory. People will examine and know something is happening in your life. And so you receive the ability to be able to be obedient to God. The Bible tells us in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, beginning from verse 15, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And when God tells you to do something, do it. God will never lead you into want. God can never do that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, how? In the path of righteousness for his name's sake. When you become God, you are his property. His name is tied to your life. And he is not going to allow anything coming into your life that will bring him shame. Unless you allow it. He's not gonna, he leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He will make you lie down in green pastures. But you have to obey him. Obe uh, uh, favor is the reward of obedience. When you obey God, God, you will receive favor from God. 
And obedience is not just the Ten Commandments. Remember, remember Joseph. Joseph was sold into the land, but he didn't change the way he was living. You had no complaint for him, from him. He just lived the life. And God was with Joseph because he had found favor in the sight of God. And even though it, was, it seemed like he was going down, God was just planning it because all things work together for good to those who love God. God was orchestrating everything and planning everything. And you think prison was bad? God wanted him there because he had placed somebody there that will help him get to the throne. That's what favor does for us. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. I don't care if the United States is having economic problems. God says there is still good in the land for his people. God doesn't have to depend on the economy of the United States. God's not going to call the president and say, please, uh, Mr. President, how is the economy doing? Can we help the people? God can do whatever he wants to do. And God says, if you are willing, notice, willing, that's what I mean, explain the place of your tent. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. While everybody is wasting away, God brings good things to you. They can't stop you from having that. God will give you good. And we talked about Isaac, how he was in, in, in the land of the Philistines, and there was famine in all over the place. There was nowhere to go. And Isaac, I believe, was thinking in his mind, my father went to Egypt. That's where God sustained him the last time. <laughs> how many know that God doesn't always do the same thing over and over again? He has his own way. It's different. So Isaac was thinking, I want to go to Egypt. That's where my father went. God said, no, don't do that. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Even if it doesn't make sense. God told Isaac, stay in this land where there is famine. And I want you to sow. I'm thinking, God, you want me to sow? There is drought. God says, sow. And guess what Isaac did? He sowed that same year. And while nobody had a harvest, he had a harvest. And the man received a hundredfold increase in the year of drought. Because he had favor with God. And he said, then Isaac began to prosper and continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. And the Philistines, the Philistines envied him. May God make you the envy of everyone around you because you believe in increase this very year for God. Amen. I mean, I mean, I mean what I'm talking about. I'm not just speaking. I'm not just speaking just to say, God bless you. No. I believe as I speak it in his name, God will begin to put his blessings upon your life. That's just the truth. He says the Lord confirms the words of his servant. I didn't say that. God said that. And I believe I am his servant and I can boldly speak in his name and he will confirm the word. There is a God. Don't be deceived. God is. If you don't believe in him, one day you see him. Then you can tell him you don't believe in him when you see him. He is. Let me tell you seven things about obedience. <laughs> this day is seven things, you know. Preachers have to go seven all the time. I've said it before. 
Otherwise, it's not a perfect sermon. Even if it's six and you can find another thing to add to it, find something, put it in there. Seven. So, number one, obedience is doing everything God tells you to do, no matter what. No matter the cost. You got to do it. When God tells you to do something, even if you don't understand it, please do it. I, I, I heard a story of this fellow. He was a new Christian, and he was saying, God, why don't you speak to me? I hear these Christians talking about God speaking to them. Why don't you speak to me? He said, God, if you speak to me, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Uh, that was a good mistake. He was driving along the way. He was crying out to God. And God said, really? He said, I want you to go into that convenience store and go to the back of the convenience store, stand on your head by the wall, and that's it. The guy says, this cannot be coming from God. <laughs> what does hard? This is crazy. But he, has, he just finished praying and was crying out to God. So he said, well, it's not going to cost me anything. So he stopped and he went into the convenience store. The guy who was, I was, I was at night, late at night, the guy was looking at this stranger coming. He went to the back of the uh, convenience store, stood on his head. The guy was watching him and came off and walked away. And that guy got converted. You know what? Because he had been telling God, if, if somebody had challenged the, 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 store, the guy that was at the store about God and said, if you are God, he said, if you are God, let somebody come in and stand on his head. And that's what happened. So that fellow didn't mind him, did what God told him to do, walked away. Now he says, Lord God, <laughs> because somebody obeyed him. When God tells you to do something, even if it doesn't make sense, do it. We're talking about a young fellow. God also told Abraham, he says, this is your son. God was the son of promise, Isaac. He waited for 25 years to have this one son, Isaac. And God said, this son, Isaac, whom you love, I want you, I want you to take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to me. I'm glad Abraham didn't talk to Sarah about it. Because there would have been a major fight in the house. If Sarah would say, ah, are you sure you didn't hear from the devil? How can God say to kill the promised child? That doesn't make sense. The guy was smart. I like to check things out with my wife, but this is not one you want to check, with, check out with your wife. It's not going to work. He kept it to himself and obeyed God. He knew that that was the child of promise. He had begged God for this child for 25 years. Now God is saying, kill this child. And he took him up to the mountain, tied him up, and was ready to kill him. Had the, his knife up when God stopped him. When God stopped him, God started talking, talking to him. Because he obeyed God, even though what God had told him to do didn't make sense. God said in Genesis 22 verse 16, it says, By myself. 
I'm swearing to you. In other words, if I don't fulfill what I'm about to tell you, let bad things happen to God. That's what God is saying. I swear by myself because I can't find anybody greater. I swear by myself saying, because you have done these things and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you. Because he obeyed, he had no question, he went all the way. God said, I, in blessing, I'm going to bless you. I'm swearing by my own life that I will bless you. And I will multiply you. We need increase, I will multiply you. And then he blessed his descendants. He said they will possess the land. That's the way God is. When you obey God, you receive much favor. Abraham already had favor with God. But something changed on this very day when he did this. God says, now I know that you fear God. Are you going to tell God something that he doesn't know? Well, you see, God doesn't know it until you act it. He knows what's going to happen, but he, he doesn't experience it until you do it. And so when Abraham had that time, that moment of obedience before God, God experienced the power of obedience coming from man towards God. And God says, now I know that you truly fear God. And then he swore by himself, I'm going to bless you. Notice what's happening to the Jewish, uh, Jewish nation. Even though they are not following God according to the New Testament, God still deals with them. You know why? The oath he took way back then to bless them. So that's number one. Number two, your obedience is the only proof of your love for God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, if a man does not love me, he doesn't do what I've asked him to do. He won't, do, he won't obey me. He won't obey my word. If a man loves me, he will keep my word. So this is your demonstration that you love God when you keep what he says. When God tells you to do something, do it. Even if it doesn't make sense, do it. Even if God tells you to give something to somebody and you think, God, and I heard that from one of our members here, God, that's all I got. And he says, I want you to do it. If you obey, then you'll know the reason why. Why he's asking you to do it. Until you obey, you'll never discover why he's doing it. Because he likes to cloud, he likes to put secrets around himself. And when you obey, then you, the secret is unveiled. And then you go, wow, I'm glad I obeyed. I'm glad I obeyed. Because once you obey, everything changes. Everything changes. It's a demonstration of your love to him. Number three, your obedience to rely totally on the word of God increases your favor. Sometimes, you know, we are told things and we want to change our mind. For example, you go to a doctor and he tells you, you got this many days to live. Two weeks. But you read Isaiah 53. He says, by his stripes you were healed. And you read Isaiah, uh, Psalm 91. He tells you that God, because you have your love in, uh, in God, you love God, God says, I will fulfill the number of your days. And he says, with long life, I will satisfy you. Now, something has come between 
the long life that God promised you and the long life that you're supposed to get. It's called sickness and disease. Now you are between that. What, what do I believe? God is saying, just depend on God's word no matter what. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Remember Shadrach, and, uh, Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego? They had the fire right before them. They knew in a few seconds uh, will become smoke. And the king was saying, we need you to bow down here before this idol or you become smoke. And they said, look, our God has promised he can deliver us. We're not going to rely on you, your word. We know the God that we serve. He can deliver us from this, your fire. But even if he chooses not to deliver us, we are ready to become smoke. And guess what? The king was so mad. He said, I want you to increase the heat of that fire. And I'm sure if you know how kings are, I'm sure he was shaking with rage. I'll kill you. But not in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Jesus was in the fire before those kids got in there. And the king said, oh, wait a minute. Am I losing my mind? Uh, I thought we put three men in the fire. Uh, I see four. And one has the appearance like the appearance of the son of God. He was right. And it's the same Jesus we are serving today. Many times we think Jesus is just the Jesus of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's the same Jesus that I'm serving today. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can deliver me from any fire. Including the fire that is coming from a doctor's mouth. Amen. If, we, if you don't say amen, I'll say amen for myself. I like it. Amen. The doctor cannot determine when I die. The word of God determines when I die. Not the doctor, not sickness, not cancer, nothing. Only God determines that. And if the sickness will kill me and God wants it that way, well, I'm ready to go home. But I'm not going to believe anything. Stay only with God's word and you will increase favor in your, on your life. No matter what. Because in doing so, you are obeying him. Amen. Fourth thing is your obedience guarantees a positive response from God. Every time you obey God, there is a positive response. God, just like with Abraham, God immediately said, I'm swearing by myself. He responds immediately. Number five, promotion always follows obedience. Promotion always follows obedience. Daniel, remember Daniel and the lions then? Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, after they went through that, I'm sure everybody wanted to talk to these fellows. I mean, I would want to talk to them. How was it in the fire? Who was the fourth person with you? <laughs> because they obeyed God. And from then on, the king decided, you guys are not like the other wise men. He separated them. I got wise men and I have real wise men. And promoted them to be governors all over his land. They were just ordinary counselors. But now God, God promoted them to the place where they could rule with the king. 
So promotion always follows obedience. Number six, your obedience is rewarded with supernatural protection. Always. Supernatural protection. When you obey God, you are provided that. And number seven, provision is only at your place of obedience. It's called the place called there. When you get there, the provision is going to be there. When you obey God, God provides for you. You know, Jehovah Jireh, the word, what we say, that was from the mouth of Abraham because God himself provided the lamb because of his obedience and then blessed him. Number two of the seven things that you need to know to increase your favor is declare favor on your life. Amen? Declare favor on your life. Constantly declare favor on your life. One thing I need the Ark Fellowship to do for me. Remember what uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you know, you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he added, if two of you shall agree concerning anything on the earth, that they shall ask, God will do it. This is a year of increase for the Ark Fellowship. God said, I want every one of you to speak with one voice. That's scripture. God says, I want every one of you to be united. I want every one of you to speak with one voice. If everybody in the Ark Fellowship begins to say those, those words, this is a year of increase for us. This is a, guess what's going to happen to our church? Unusual things will begin to happen here. I need everyone in the Ark Fellowship to begin to declare increase on your life and on our church. We must speak with one voice. I know I'm pastor and I speak and I believe what I'm saying. And I know God will do it. But two is better than one. And if all of us agree, you will see unusual things in your family. Things, unexplained things happening to us. If we will agree. So I'm pleading with you this year. We need to be in agreement. In Luke chapter 21, verse 15. Jesus said, for I will give you a mouth. Were you not born with a mouth? Why would God give you a mouth when you already have a mouth? That's not what he's talking about. When you become a Christian, God gives you another pair of, I mean, another mouth that you can use to declare things that he, God, will confirm. He says, I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. All of your enemies, even if they don't like what you're saying, they can't contradict it because it's going to happen. Jesus said, I'm giving you a supernatural mouth to say things that your enemy, even the devil himself, cannot contradict what you're saying. And cannot resist it. The Bible says resist the devil. How are you going to resist the devil? With your hand? 
you can't fight him with your hands. You're going to box with the devil. You're going to fight him. How do you resist him? The mouth that he gave you. If you're here next Wednesday, I'm talking more about the mouth. Your mouth. Jesus said, I give you a supernatural mouth. This is what I'm giving to you. A mouth to speak those things. And he says, your enemies will not be able to resist it. And in the Old Testament, uh, Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your mouth holds your destiny. So declare favor of God upon your life constantly. Don't focus on the evil things that are happening to you. Because if you use the same time that you use to focus on those negative things and focus on what God can do in your life, your faith will grow and your situation will change. Don't focus on those negative things. They become bigger as you focus on them. Focus on the great God and God alone, and those things will become small, smaller until they, they are insignificant in your mind, and God blows them away. So you must speak. You must speak with your mouth. That's very important. Declare, this is the year of favor for my life. Can I hear you say that? This is the year of favor for my life. Things are going to change. I called my brother the other day and he was just singing all these blues. Just everything, nothing's going to. I said, look, look, stop, stop it there. This is going to be an unusual year for, for our family. I told him it's going to be a year of blessings. And uh, the other, next time I called him, he was telling me, when I do, he stopped from if, and he went to when. I'm going to be doing this and that. He's preparing himself, his heart for something great. That's where we want to go. Amen? That's where we want to go. Number th- uh, four. Number three. Sorry. Seek to know God better. Seek to know God better. If you want favor of God upon your life, seek to know God better. You know, the scripture says, deep calls out to deep. It should frighten you, and it does me. And every time, constantly I'm taking inventory of what's going on in my mind and my emotions. It frightens me when I have no desire for things of God, or I start making excuses, well, I can't do that. I know this is not a good thing. If you are comfortable with that, you, in, real, in life here, it may mean nothing to heaven, to you. But in heaven, they know you are in real trouble. They know. All the angels know this is not a good thing. When you don't have a heart for God, you are already in trouble. That's just the truth. Read Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. He says, remember the Lord your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Because once your heart says, no, you don't have pleasure, you're doomed. You may not know it. God will protect you here or not. You live your life out. But in the next life, you will regret that you were even born. So it's very important that we know that we need to seek God and to know God better. I can know God better. I want to know him better. And when the more you know God, the more favor you have upon your life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says grace, that's another word for favor. 
grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace. You know what grace, the way I see grace? When you have grace, you can never suffer disgrace or shame. So when God's grace is multiplied upon your life, God will not permit you to suffer shame. He says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the more you know God, the more favor you have upon your life. The more you know God, the more peace you have upon your life. The more God, peace in, in the Hebrew is shalom, meaning everything becomes well. God takes care of every area of your life. The more you get to know God. He heals you totally. And look at what, how, what he added to that. As, connecting it to what he already told you, grace and peace, he says, as his divine power has given to us all things. So when you have peace multiplied, you have grace multiplied, God has given to you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. All things. You, can, you will, can never have anything missing. You can never have anything broken in your life because you've come to know God better. That's what he's saying. As his divine power. He says, get to know God because his divine power has already made all things available for you that pertain to life. That's where you live. That's your car. That's your children. That's your fees. That's your debt. That's your taxes. All of those things. God has made all of it. He's taking care of them. And then your spiritual life. Life, your spiritual life. He also is taking care of that. So that you are walking with God because you get to know God. So seek to know God better. You know, it's amazing how Christians, they will tell you, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I say, really? <laughs> I really don't know about that because you act like you just got saved. You're full of bitterness, angry, doing crazy stuff. <laughs> You've been saved all these years. No wonder. You got to seek to know God. You have to spend time praying before God. Some Christians don't spend time praying at all. A week gone, they have no time for God. They are chasing after things. And they are forgetting the source of these things they are chasing after. Why don't you go to the source? Why chase after the things that he produced? And that's what angers God. God says, why are you going after those things? I made them to bless you. You're forgetting me. I made all of those things. Get me, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what he's saying here. So you increase favor upon your life when you seek God. Amen? First, meet someone's needs. Meet someone's needs. Give. The Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. It says, men will give to your bosom. Whatever you want is what you give. I'm tired of hearing Christians who say, nobody likes me. Why don't you like somebody yourself? 
Nobody talks to me. Why don't you talk to somebody yourself? What you sow is what you get. The reason why they don't like you is because you don't like people. Sorry. When you like people, they'll like you in return. When you don't like people, they see you coming. They say, yeah, he comes. Oh, boy, here we go. And you say, they don't like me. They walk away. It's your problem. It's not their problem. Get healed, and they'll come to you. That's the truth. You can't sow apples and expect to reap oranges. It's not going to work. It's what you sow, you get. And so when you need favor, sow favor. Give. Help people. That's how we're blessed. Give. Five. Number five. Love excellence. Love excellence. It's so important if you want favor. People don't like ordinary things. People shame things that are without excellence. They don't like them. And they extol, that's a big word, they extol things, uh, praise things that are excellent. When you go into a place and everything looks nice, don't you feel good? And people want to come to that place. And guess what? Both God and man love excellence. God is like that. He loves, he loves it. When you have an excellent spirit, God loves it. And when there is no excellence, God doesn't want anything to do with it. And believe me, men don't want anything to do with it either. Because we are created in his image. You know how people love stuff that are beautiful, pretty. They, they, are, they are drawn to it. Soon as they walk in, oh, that thing looks so pretty. But if it's nasty, they don't want it. You know how we got that? He put that in us. And if you want more favor from God, you got to walk towards that. It's very pleasing to God and man when you have that. Notice Jesus, after he's done the miracle, no waste. He says, gather the crumbs, everything, right? And you wonder, why is he doing that? That's just the nature of God. He doesn't like waste. Everything's got to be done in an excellent way. Daniel chapter 6 verse 3 says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Because, why did he do that? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. You still understand what I'm saying? Over the whole realm. When they see that in you, you get promotion. When God, who put that excellent spirit in him, God did. Because Daniel wanted that. And because it was in him, the king saw it and decided, I'm going to have governors, but I'm going to have him over all of them. And that's the same spirit that was in Joseph. God loves it. Work hard to develop that. Number six, give a gift. Give a gift. I'm going to finish this today. I'm going to hurry up. Give a gift. Most times people don't understand that your giving is, is a blessing. A man's gift, Proverbs 18, verse 16, says, makes room for him and bring him before great men. Let me say this today. For our church, I don't talk a lot about 
about um, offerings. God is the, great, the greatest one ever. He is. This scripture is saying, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Your gift can make room for you and bring you before the king of kings. In the Orient, in their time, when this was written, you cannot see a great man without coming with a gift. It's unacceptable. If he's a great man, you can't come in his presence. If he's a, especially if he's a king, you cannot come with, to his presence without a gift. Your gift is what's going to make room. Now bring him in. He likes your gift. He wants to see you. You remember the, the, what we call three wise men? The Bible says wise men, not three wise men. But wise men, when they came to see Jesus, did they come empty-handed? No, they came with a gift. I'm challenging the whole church today. I don't talk a lot about tithes and offerings. But believe me, don't, this is, this is going to be an unusual here for our church. Don't be the one that is holding the church back because you are keeping your tithe back. You're holding every one of us back. Amen? Don't be the one to hold everybody back because you are not willing to give to God what belongs to God. I don't talk about tithe in our church. It doesn't really, because I believe God's going to take care of us. But I'm praying to God for a better year this year. And I'm saying to you, make up your mind. Give what is God to him. And then bring also a gift to him. You can give to the Ark Fellowship. Send it wherever God wants you to send them. It doesn't really matter to me. God's going to meet our need. But my mind is God wants to do a bigger work in our church. When I need finances for our church, I don't talk to anybody. I talk to him. And let him talk to you. Amen? And me, so we can give. That's the way the church has been. Our church has never been in want. But this, this was in my mind all week. I need to let our church know this is going to be an unusual year for every family. Those that will hinder us are those that will be doing things like this. It's better when we do it as a group. Amen? And if you make up your mind this morning to do this, God is going to bless us with unusual blessing. Bring a gift. Number seven, sow a gift. This is the final one. Sow a seed. Um, there's a scripture in uh, Psalm 126 that talks about when the Lord restore or brought back the fortunes of Zion. When the Lord, Lord brought back the fortunes of Zion. When the Lord restored Zion. He says, we were like them that dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. The people started saying among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And they said, the Lord has done great things for us and we're glad. And they asked God, bring back the fortunes of Zion. As in the days of the Negev, back in the south, God, they were praying to God. But then they talked about the one who sows. Verse 5, it says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. It's never good to, it don't feel good when you're letting go. It doesn't feel as good. But when you give, it's coming back to you 
with joy. You reap with joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless, without a doubt, return again, come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him, bringing his harvest with him. If you don't give, you don't sow, you will not reap. These are principles in the word of God. You can do this and increase the favor of God upon your life this very year. We can talk and believe for God for increase in our church all through the year. But if you don't sow towards it, it doesn't belong to you. You cannot harvest where you have not sown. So we got to get ready to sow this year before God. Amen. This year is going to be a year of increase. Stand up with me while uh, we get ready to receive our offering. And those that are going to be baptized, getting ready. Pastor Andy, time. If you're getting baptized, it's time to go. We're going to be receiving our offering this morning. But before we do that, I want us to start declaring, based on the words that we have heard, that this is going to be an unusual year for my life. How many of you are going to say that with me? This is, say with me, this is going to be an unusual year for my life. Then say also, put that word, unusual year of favor. Amen. <laughs> An unusual year of increase. Now let's say it. This is going to be an unusual year of favor in my life. Say it like you mean it. Just like this is going to be an unusual. You're not serious. Let's mean business, okay? Because we are declaring. The Bible says, declare a thing and God will establish it. Amen? Let's say it. This is going to be an unusual year of favor in my life. Now turn to two or three people. Tell them like you mean it. Hey, I'm going to turn to you. This is going to be an unusual year of favor for my life. Amen. It's going to be an unusual year. Can I hear an amen? That's the truth. Because the Bible says, declare a thing and it shall be established. Can you say that with me? Declare a thing and it shall be established. Have you declared anything? I can't hear you. Yeah, it's going to be according to the words that we have spoken before the Lord. Because that's what he says. He will bless us with Get ready for your offering this morning. I came ready. The Bible says we shouldn't come to God empty-handed, right? Not to the Ark Fellowship. I know you're making it to the Ark Fellowship, but you are really making it to the Lord. But write it and ready. You, God gave you a mind, and you can imagine things. He gave you that power. What I'd like you to do for faith this morning, when your eyes are closed and you lift up your offering, that's what the Bible says. Here, men that die receive sight. But there, he, he, the one that he's spoken of that ne will never die again, he receives them.
can you close your eyes and see Jesus taking that envelope to your hand? That's so important. Because, you see, he worships the 